Reggae Uprising podcast family and welcome to another episode. Now if you are fresh and new to Reggae Uprising podcast it is all about connecting people of the African diaspora through wisdom, overstanding, inspirational stories all backed by a soundtrack of sweet reggae music. So each and every Wednesday we feature a new guest who shares their journey, their wisdom, their experiences and their works alongside seven reggae selections. For all of our regular listeners here at Reggae Uprising Podcast, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for all of the love that you share. Thank you for connecting, letting us know your thoughts, you know, all of your beautiful comments. Thank you for sharing with your network. And for all of you new listeners, please, if you haven't already, subscribe wherever you're listening to Reggae Uprising Podcast so that every Wednesday this podcast pops up and gives you that extra bit of positivity to keep you keep on pushing throughout your week. If you would like more positivity in your week, you can also go to daniel.co.uk. That's D-A-N-I-E. AL.co.uk, where you can find my original works, because as well as being the host of Reggae Uprising podcast, as well as the other shows I've done, as well as High Vibes Friday, as well as what else have we had? We've had so many shows. The original Reggae Uprising, of course, which is um, all of the visuals. So you had me singing in different languages to reggae music, mixing up some of the classics whole heap of reggae music is there so as well as doing those shows I'm also a singer-songwriter myself so you can check out my original works there too you can also find out my latest performance dates and you can find all reggae uprising podcast episodes there as well so if you want to check out the visuals for all of those the podcast episodes all of those shows the youtube shows my original music videos and everything else in between, all the latest news, please go to daniel.co.uk. That's D-A-N-I-E-A-L.co.uk. You can also find all of my social media there. So on the homepage, click any of those buttons. All of my social media is there. And if you would like to connect with me, if you're not about that social media life and you would like to connect with me, the best way to connect with me is via the contact page on daniel.co.uk. So maybe you doing some works, you've got a project that you're thinking of and you're like, you know what, Daniel is is the woman that I need on our team. Please get in touch if you do music and you would like to do a collaboration, please get in touch. If you're a festival or a venue or you're putting on an event and you would like to book me for that, please also get in touch. Or if you just want to connect, if you just want to share some love, some positivity and some wisdom, please get in touch too. Now, all of the regular listeners will know this. We have so many episodes, so over 120 plus episodes of positivity, of Reggae Uprising podcast positivity that we've been putting out. So if ever you're you're having one of those days, you're not feeling motivated, please reach for any of these episodes for this positivity. You can hear straight from your brothers and sisters. You can hear these high vibrations of these reggae artists. Please, please, please do tune in. There's so much positivity within this these works that I really, really want to be shared. 
We've had so many special series, the most recent of which was our ancestral series, which was really, really popular. You all love that. It started off with one episode and it just took on a life of its own. And we ended up with multiple episodes that were all really popular. We've had so many special editions on subjects that you really wanted to find out more about at the time of different brothers and sisters across the world. For example, we had the Life and Times of Covid series where we featured on a different country each week and a brother or sister from that country shared their experience of the past two years and how that impacted them, their loved ones, the news that was going on, whether it was true or not in that country. So we featured the UK, the US, Jamaica and Ethiopia. We have so many series, so many special editions that for you to tune into, as well as our guests sharing their own life story as well. There's so much works, so much positive works to be shared. I hope it does empower you on your own journey. Speaking of journeys, we are going to get started with today's guest's first selection, which is Beris Hammond. Fly like an angel. You got so much work to do now, yeah. You deserve to be free, yeah. To enjoy the fruits of life, yeah. Welcome this week's guest, Zanubian. Greetings and welcome. Greetings, greetings. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. Can you please tell us that reason for that first selection that we just heard? Oh, my goodness. It brings back some sweet memories for me. Um, Family parties, family gatherings. I'm from a family that we know how to party. And on my 16th birthday... That song was playing on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. I've just got voices like a choir. Lots of people in my family can sing, hence my journey really into singing. And it's just singing over and over again. And it reminded me to fly like an angel. 
What a beautiful way to start the show. So speaking <laughs> of family, as mm-hmm. Reggae Uprising podcast is all about connecting people of the African diaspora, can you please share with us your heritage? Oh, well, my heritage is quite unique. Um, my mum was born in Jamaica, St. Catherine, and my dad was born in Egypt, Aswan. Um, so I'll start with Egypt. In Egypt nowadays, you'll see a lot of um, Arab Egyptians, they're called. We call them white Egyptians in, in our family. Um, but we're actually the Nubian Egyptians. That's what we call ourselves. It's a small minority now. Um, and we live in a place called Aswan. It's the south of Egypt, so very close to Sudan. Um, so that's my, my Egyptian side. Um, and my mum's side, Jamaican, St. Catherine. I don't think I need to even make any more introductions there. Um, and those two, my mum and dad came together, created me, and that's where the name Zanubian comes from. So can you tell us a little bit more about their story? How did they come together? <laughs> the story is quite humorous. Um, I remember my auntie telling me that my mum got up one day and said, right, I'm going to find my husband now. And they went out to a club in London, in West London, and they met each other there. My dad was quite... Um, enthusiastic and proud of the fact that his wife was a Jamaican woman. Even now, he'll go around and he'll say to people, you know my daughter's Jamaican? You know my daughter's Jamaican? And the same for my mum, actually. She was really proud that she had, that I was half Egyptian. So she would often tell people, you know, she's half Egyptian. Um, So the two of them actually complimented each other in the fact that they appreciated each other's culture. And that's how they got together. They got married. They had me. And my mum's passed away now, um, which is sad. Rest her soul. But um, they had a good relationship. It didn't last forever, like relationships do. It broke down. There was a lot of clashes also with the culture, different religions, different languages. But through my journey, I learned how to take parts of my Egyptian heritage and parts of my Jamaican heritage and bring those two together. And Rastafari, for me, helped to encompass both of those things. So out of the the two different sides of you, what would you say are the most important um, that you've learnt from your mum and from mm-hmm. your dad? My mum's side, what I carry through um, in the way that I live, my liberty, is her spirituality. My mum was a powerful spiritual woman. Um, she was a Christian, however, her spirituality was hers. That's the way that I see it. Um, also, the food and the music. My palate is Jamaican, mostly. I cook Jamaican. Do you know what I mean? And um, I will, I will never, I will never be able to reject the the, the colourfulness, the vibrancy of Jamaica. Um, that is that stays with me. I, I grew with my mom mostly, so that 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 can't can't really be removed. On my dad's side, there's a completely different attitude to one's blackness. Um, to be black is an empowering thing. In Egypt, it's very clear there is still racism in Egypt, but one thing that is known is that the black people there, the people from Aswan, the Nubians, were the original. Egyptians, that's widely known in Egypt. So you can understand the racism that you face in Egypt is complete, it's, it's different because the basis, everybody knows, actually, the Nubians 
with the with the original ones here. Whereas in England, that's not necessarily outwardly shared amongst the community. Not everybody knows that. So my blackness, I'm empowered, and I don't necessarily see my struggle as something that beats me down, but something that empowers me. I know that I come from kings and queens. So going back a little bit um, into your parents, you, you kind of talked a little bit about how they got together. and mm-hmm. But what I want to find out a little bit more about is how they actually came to be in the UK. What, what was their life before they came to the UK and why did they come to the UK? Okay. Well, my mum was from the Windrush generation. So she came when she was young with my grandma and my granddad and they settled in a place called Derby, um, and they started the church. Um, so when it comes to Pentecostal churches, it's a community um, base. It's a community church. That's what I like to call it. They started from nothing. Do you know what I mean? They started from nothing and they drawed different Caribbean people together to share in their spirituality. Um, that's how my mom ended up here in England. My dad ended up here. It's a very um, inspiring story. He saw the planes as they would go in whatever direction they're going in, in the sky. And he said to himself, do you know what? I want to be on that. And he, through my um, uncle, my my auntie's husband, so it's my uncle-in-law, um, supported him to come over to the UK and to actually make some, make some money and have a better standard of, of life here and to support his family back home. Um, so... My dad has always been a had a strong work ethic. He's always made money and sent it back home. Sometimes having three jobs, and his journey to get here wasn't easy. Um, he told me that when he was leaving, actually, to go, his mum gave him, my grandma gave him all the gold that she had, and she didn't know where she was going to see see him again at that time because there wasn't communication where it wasn't mobiles at that time where we could say, "I'm here now, mum. I'm there now, mum." And he had to walk from Egypt into Sudan which was a long journey. And actually, there were some traumatic events that happened on that journey in terms of facing wildlife, facing hyenas, food running out. But he got here. He got here. And that's how we, that's how we ended up here. Wow, what a journey. What a journey. Can you... Um... Can you give us an insight about what the different... You mentioned earlier on about the different foods growing up. So can yeah. you give us like your favourite dishes from your mum's side and your favourite dishes from your dad's side? Definitely. I'm going to start with my dad's side because I, I didn't really give it the owns that it deserves. So even though my palate is very Jamaican and my cooking is very Jamaican, um, actually... My Egyptian side, the food is beautiful. It's not meat-based, which makes it even more healthier to eat. Um, if they are going to make meat, it's it's a it's in a sense where they're going to kill the lamb right there and cook it. So it's very fresh. Um, I go to Egypt often. I go back to Egypt often. So I'm mainly talking about the food that we eat while we're in Egypt. Um, you're talking about beans, a lot of pulses, a lot of vegetables, Um We've got our traditional food, which is a layer of rice, a layer of bread, a tomato kind of sauce, and then the fresh lamb that I'm talking about at the top there. And it's it's in layers there. And that's our that's our main dish when it comes to um, Egypt. It's a lot of bread. We eat with our hands. Um, 
very similar to the Ethiopians to the Sudanese. That's that's the food there in Egypt. On my mum's side, we're talking about mutton and rice, ackee and salt fish, a lot of the Ital dishes there. So, I just lost. There's just so much food there when it comes to Jamaica. You're planting, you're dumpling, your festivals, your rice and peas. There's not a Sunday that goes by where I don't bust a rice and peas at my house and people come round to eat. I keep that tradition till now. Um, the fr- I can't forget the fruit because I remember being in Jamaica, my grandma telling me for the first time to climb a mango tree. At that time, because I was used to being in the UK, I had no idea that we could even do that. So the fruit, the exotic fruits, that's definitely a big part of me. And you have to remember, mango is in Jamaica, mango is in Egypt, so mango is one of my favourite fruits. So speaking of those dishes, do you have your own signature dish now? So you mentioned their rice and peas, but is there like, if you have a family get together, is there a dish that you're always asked to bring? Because you know everybody has their speciality. Yeah, yeah. If there's a dish that I'm asked to bring, to be honest, it's normally the rice and peas and it's normally a meat dish. It's either the oxtail, it's either the chicken. It can be the fried fish. It can be the brown stew fish that they asked me to do. With me, what I'm known for is I'm known for somebody coming to my house and there's loads of dishes and they'll say to me, who are you cooking for? And I'm saying, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> cooking to see who's coming through the door because <laughs> you never know who's coming and that's how I am. I'm, I just, all different dishes. Like, even dishes I don't necessarily eat, I will cook it to know that someone's going to come, be eat and be satisfied and feel the love. I always cook with love. So before we get into another one of your selections... I just want to hear about the kind of artists that your parents liked to listen to. So what kind of music was playing in your household growing up? Uh, my mum liked the old school Lovers Rock. Um, so the Louisa Marks, the Janet Kay. My mum was playing that. Even the Kofi, my mum was playing that. My mum did go through a period, however, and it is significant where she didn't listen to what she would consider worldly music anymore because she was heavily in the Pentecostal lifestyle, really. Um, So there was a period of my life where actually the music was cut off in my household. Um, My dad now, he kept that running. My dad loves reggae. My dad loves raggo at the time. He was into that. Um, But my dad also really enjoys R&B. So the classic R&B, the girl bands, the boy bands, the love songs with all those harmonies in. Um, So that was my dad. So going back to my mum, the music that I was listening to at that time changed to gospel. So I grew up in a church where I was hearing gospel harmonies, I want to say, at least every other day, live. Right, we're going to move on to your next selection, which is Dennis Brown, Here I Come. Can you tell us why you chose this selection? This song for me was significant when I was going through a hard time and I needed to, in my life, sort out those that were good for me and those that weren't so good for me, those with the positive energy and those with the negative energy. I needed to distance myself from those that was having a negative influence on my life. And this song, I would play on repeat because I know within me, I'm coming with a clean heart. And so this is the song, have a listen. Here we go with Dennis Brown, Here I Come. Here I come, 
like for you what did you enjoy at school what were the experiences you'd say that elevated you and tested you give us a little bit of an insight school was a turbulent time for me um just because I struggled with the power imbalance in school so I struggled with this is the teacher that knows everything and this is the pupil that needs to be taught um I struggled with some of the racism that was in school um so I would I would kick back. I was rude in school, and I'm not proud of how I was in school. I was rude. Um, but one thing about me was I wa- I knew that I was intelligent, and I knew that I was clever. So my friendship groups, I was very vibrant. I was very popular. Um, some of the teachers got on with me and could take my um, in, um, witty attitude. Some teachers, it absolutely turned them off. And the t- teachers that were turned off in my last year I remember they would kick me out of lessons um but Zaina being a strong world as she has as she is I would often um go and find um the books I would even go and teeth the books to go and study at home so when it came to my exams I made sure I excelled so I remember leaving school with grades that I didn't even envision I would get and the teachers certainly didn't envision I would get I didn't envision I would get it to the point that I didn't even apply for college or anything afterwards because I didn't think that I was going to get the, the grades necessarily. I got good grades and I ended up going to that same school, sixth form. They just offered me a place because of the surprise and that's how good the grades was. And I am going to big myself up for that because that was the way things were set up for me in school. It was set up for me to fail. And at the last year, I remember I did whatever I needed to do to make sure that the, in the exam I got the grade so I'll always say to a young person that's having a tough time at school listen what matters is year 11 and what you come out with those GCSEs because those GCSEs will take you to A, B or C and even if you don't get those GCSEs that doesn't matter you can go and redo it don't let school and how they treat you at school define you for the rest of your your time so speaking of that, sis, can you tell us, did you have any role models when you were at school, whether they be people that you knew personally or maybe people yeah. that you looked up to? Or... Yeah, but um, Miss Oliver Brown, she was the only black teacher in the school. In fact, she was a teaching assistant. Um, 
and she would take me into a small office with some some other children and um it's not even that she would directly do anything it was the love and it's the warmth what was the atmosphere just knowing that I had the safe space in school she was definitely a role model and a mentor um for quite a few number of years even till I left school she might not even know the impact that she had on me um but just having that environment somebody to talk to that had a big um, impact on me and I'll be honest there was some teachers like music teachers that we got on we got on because at the end of the day when we went to the music class um music would uplift me so if I was in a bad mood if I felt like being rude singing would change completely change the atmosphere so there was a lot of performances at school there was a lot of singing a lot of dancing um amongst some of those some of those difficult times we are going to move on to your next selection which is garnet silk kingly character can you tell us why you chose this one going back to when i said i was brought up in a church when i heard this song i thought to myself who is he talking about and it, it was the I was intrigued to know who is he talking about like this. So this was my first introduction to Haile Selassie. Here we go with Garnet Silk, Kingly character. One love, brother man, say Rasta. Who goes? It must be Jaja. Thank goodness I don't have to wonder. I know who he is forever. Christ in his kingly character. 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 His foundation is in the holy mountains. Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of the Almighty. He's the living legend of this Iowa. Conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. Christ in his kingly character. 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 Many know the truth and hide it Many feeling the vibes and try to avoid it But the truth must be revealed And oh my God is real Christ in his kingly character 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 in his kingly character, Christ in his kingly character, Christ in his kingly character. Now you mentioned earlier talking about school that you excelled in subjects or in ways that um, the people at school, the teachers at school didn't think that you would. Can you tell us when you had your choice of works to pick, when you finally had those choices, what works did you pick and was it because of the 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 work that you'd done previously because was it due to how you'd excelled previously or were the works that you chose to do completely different when you say the works that I chose to do you mean in uh, career wise or you mean in studying so if we start with um studying and then move on to career um I was good at maths I was good at health and social health and social care I was good at um history um those three subjects I did the best in 
and because of that it led me into studying a levels like sociology psychology and history and even at that level i remember facing some barriers in that teachers were saying we're not sure if you've got the capability to do history because english wasn't an area in which i excelled english was an area where i was quite average so they would often say are you sure you're able to do these subjects where you have to write essays and so forth i did those subjects and did well in those subjects and it led me into doing a degree in social work and social policy now i often say to people that now i'm in a place where i understand the realities of um doing statutory social work it's it's a hard job to do in the system and having the beliefs that i have i still try my best to empower those that that are um that have less power those people that are vulnerable and in that sense i'm i'm doing well in that career but there there is always a battle um and so forth i haven't always worked in statutory social work i've tried tried to work in charities where i could give back for years i was working with asylum seekers and refugees asylum seekers that would come and had no recourse to public funds and in that sense i actually learned that the most vulnerable people in society in this society is actually asylum seekers that come over and you can hear it in the news now what's happening this has been happening for years because i've been work i, I remember working in that field 5 years ago and it's exactly the same situation that we see today so can you give our listeners more of an insight into that world uh, is, is there any any facts that you think sh- the our listeners should know more about basically that isn't maybe um on the news things that you've yeah. experienced and you only know from your experience within that world the journey that it takes somebody to get here into the UK is no joke it's traumatic it's from it's a traumatic and dangerous journey it's 50-50 whether you're going to get um to any european land so you know the idea that people are coming here um to take people's jobs to take our public funds and they shouldn't be here you have to think to yourself what would make somebody make such a traumatic journey where are they coming from what what are they experiencing for them to take that risk um that's what stands out to me you can see on the news now they're starting to understand that understand that that has been going on for years um with the ukraine crisis one of the things that stand out for me is how the public has responded to that ukrainian ukrainian crisis this has been happening with refugees from all other non-european countries non-european continents and we haven't had that response so i would say please you know if you're taken up with the ukrainian crisis ask yourself why you haven't reacted like that to other countries to other crises that have happened before because it's the same situation that we're talking about so you mentioned that you changed your works from those works um about 5 years ago what what works did you go in after that after that i went into um working with older adults i'm still working with older adults at the minute to fund my music um start that statutory social work in a council um i'm known within that council to, to be quite a rebel quite outspoken i don't go with the status quo so if i'm in a statutory environment a systematic environment i'm not somebody that just conforms and goes goes with it i have to make sure because of my core beliefs i have to make sure 
that I stand up against oppression. I have to make sure that I speak out when I, when I need to speak out. Um, so I, I started in um, hospitals, discharging older adults, making sure that they've got the right care, standing up for their human rights, making sure that if they want to leave hospital, they can leave hospital. I often do assessments where I'm checking whether somebody has the capacity to make a decision. There's often times that professionals will say, oh, somebody can't make a decision on, you know, on this or on that matter because they've got dementia or because they've got this mental health issue or whatever the diagnosis is. And often I'm the person that comes and checks whether or not that's true. And so I've had a lot of um, battles um, trying to say to professionals, no, this person is able to make a decision on their own. You might not agree with it. You might think it's an unwise decision, but actually that's how that person wants to live and they've got a right to live like that. And through those experiences, can you give any insight, advice to fellow brothers and sisters that may be going through a similar situation and from yeah. the knowledge that you've acquired, li- little things that you th- feel might help them or ways in which to cope with those kind of situations? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of brothers and sisters in the UK that have found themselves in public sector um, jobs. Um, what I would say is, Stay with your beliefs and don't conform. You don't have to recreate a a character that is appealing to our white counterparts. We don't have to do that. We can be unapologetically who we are. Because when you try to put on a mask, that mask will eventually wear you down. And I will also say, don't give your life to to a career or a job, like a public sector job, because... The pressure that the public sector, sector is under at the at the minute, you cannot be giving yourself, sacrificing your for that job. My song Cut Loose is all about that realisation where I realised, no, it's not about me killing myself for this public sector job, for this income that comes in every month. You need to break that barrier. You need to cut loose if you need to cut loose and do your passions if you have to go part-time in order to make sure your passions you're you're reaching your passions do that so we were going to play one of your seven selections as we have been but scenes is that seems like such a great lead into cut loose (laughs) can you we're going to play that instead so we're going to play one of your works called cut loose is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners about this track before we play it this track, honestly, I was in a, is in a time where I thought to myself, I cannot leave this job, even though it was strangling me because of the income. But let me tell you something, whatever it is in your life that you need to cut loose from, if it's, if it's keeping you down, if it's bounding you, if it's strangling you, you can cut it loose. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's your, whatever it is, cut loose. Here we go with the Nubian Cut Loose. Freedom cut me loose. Freedom cut me loose. My soul looks over. How I got over. Freedom cut me loose. Freedom cut me loose. My soul looks over. How I got over. Mm, I go over. How I got over. 
remember, I feel like we're we're going straight from the the tune that we just heard, Cut Loose. But can you remember, was this the first song you ever wrote or was there previous songs before this Cut Loose? Um, There was previous songs, like many artists. I've got a backlog of songs I've written. Um, But this song... The producer liked it, and he said, "You know what? This is this is going out." So it was my first um, release. Yeah, my first ever song that I wrote is a song that's still actually in the making, and it's called "Know Now," and it's about the realization when you are constantly envisioning yourself trying to get somewhere, and whether it's a goal, whether you want to change your life around, whatever it is, in whatever way, you know that realization when you actually get that, when you actually receive that. Sometimes it can be hard to be joyous in that. Before you know it, you're finding the next worry. This, that song, the first song that I wrote, it's called No Now. Look out for it. It will be coming out, but we're going to make sure it's, it's perfect. It's just right when it does come out. And it's all about when your manifestation comes through. And speaking of first, can you remember your first ever performance? Yeah. <laughs> My first ever performance um, singing solo was in a small, um, it was like a market store with um, people that were working for themselves, creatives that were working for themselves. Um, And I remember I wasn't planned, it wasn't planned that I was to sing. I just went out there and I said, am I able to join the performers here? And the person said, yeah, come through and sing with us. And that was actually my first solo performance. It was it was absolutely just inspired. And it was at the time, it wasn't planned. It was very spontaneous. And how did you feel before that and after that? Were you nervous? How, what was that feeling like for you? Um, I was definitely nervous. Um, for a long time, I used to sing backing vocals and I used to also sing in groups. So singing solo was a big, big, big step for me. Um, so there was definitely some nerves there. Have I hit the right note there? Singing, nerves definitely affect it. Dancing, I find, if I'm nervous, I can I can just shake it out. But singing, if you're nervous, it's very hard to control your um, vocals. So absolutely, I was nervous at that time, um, but I was received well. We are going to move on to your next selection, which is Tez Fasian. Sistering, can you tell us why you chose this selection? This selection was played during the period where I was saying my mum had gone back into Christianity. So within the house, it was very hard for me to play music outside of church music. But I remember my mum's close friend snuck me in a bunch of CDs. Amongst those CDs was this track, Tess for Seon, Sistrin. And I'll never forget when I heard this track. This track is talking about, about a man that has that is fallen in love with an Ethiopian woman. And I remember when I heard this track, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is like my dream. You know, for somebody to um, be attracted to my Africanness, especially my Egyptian side, because the place where I grew up was a very white area. So actually there wasn't one Egyptian in that place. And so to hear a region that's very close, we used to all be one at some point, part of Ethiopia, part of Sudan, 
part of Egypt. So to hear a man talking in that way, singing in that way to an African woman, it was like a dream to me. So that's why I've chose this song. Can you tell us what your process is for writing a song? Do you write, you know, within five minutes? Is it a long process? What what kind of techniques do you do to write? It's usually a, a long process. Usually something will inspire me or usually I'll face a feeling that I've not felt before or a feeling that has been quite challenging that I've had to work through. So usually it takes me a while to write a song because they are based on my real life experiences. I usually like to go through that journey of the emotions and understand that properly and come out of it. Whilst I'm going through it, I'll jot down parts of the song, parts of the song, but I never know how the structure is going to be. Eventually, I'll come out of that process and I'll realise that I'm in a different place. And when I've come out of the difficulty, I can then write about it. Some songs, though, are quite quick and spontaneous. So if I go to a studio, for example, and a producer might put a rhythm on that, I feel sometimes anything can, can come out and then, and a song's made. Um, so there's, there's two different processes there, but usually it is a long process and it's about my feelings and experiences, my own life journey. So with that in mind, which would you say of your songs was hardest to write and which was the easiest to write? Um, Out of the songs that are released, I would say Cut Loose would have have been the hardest to write. Um, I remember changing parts of the verse quite often. Um, I remember having to change some of the words because um, of the way I would need to sing for it to be projected correctly. Um, so Cut Loose was, was the hardest one. Actually, Pandemic Rhythm, the way that that was written, was that it was actually a competition. So it required me to hurry up. There wasn't time for me to, to, to go, you know, here, there and everywhere with it. I just had to go for it. I had to be courageous and go for it. And with um, Pandemic Rhythm, I, I went back into my notebook. Like I said, I would write little parts. And Ankh Ujat Zanem was a chant that I would chant for myself. Um, so that inspired me to go forward with that. It was very courageous there, but it was the quickest the quickest um, track that's been produced. If you could have a songwriting masterclass with one artist, who would it be? It would actually be Dennis Brown, even though he's passed. The way in which his songs are written, I find fascinating. <clears throat> I don't think they, they always stay with the status quo. Um, so that would definitely be the person that I would love to have a session with. We are going to play another one of your selections, which is Louisa Marks' Caught You in a Lie. Can you tell us about this selection? This selection, um, I remember me and my cousin Tyrone, we loved reggae as children. We were both growing up in this church there where we couldn't listen to music. So we would sneak and we used to find people that was running sound systems. Um, and this song we used to play all the time whenever we had the opportunity. Um, and also with this song is Louisa Marks. It's very similar to my 
um, vocal range and also my um, the way my style, the way how I sing. I don't always put loads of thrills on my um, singing. She's powerful. She's straightforward. She sings in my range. I used to love listening to her because I could sing along with the tunes. Here we go with Louisa Marks, Caught You in a Lie. of the evolution of your works in terms of the releases, your tours and what you what you want for the future of your works? What I want for the future of my works is, is definitely to be doing tours not just in the UK but outside of the UK. I want to spread my message all around the world. I have a big ambition to go back to Egypt and to be doing festivals and so forth. That doesn't happen much in Egypt. Um, so I could start something that could have a long legacy. That would be quite far in the future, but that is somewhere where I definitely want to get to. I've got an album in mind. Um, I want to work work towards an album. Um, I've got a few different avenues to go, and I haven't decided which avenue I'm actually going to go through to get to go and produce an album. Uh, Producing an album of about 10 tracks is, is definitely something I want in the near future. That I've got a lot of backlog of tunes that just need finalising, finishing off, mastering, mixing, um, and that will all go towards an album. We're going to play another one of your selections, which is Gappy Ranks, Heaven in Her Eyes. Tell us about this selection. I remember being in a dance and... I used, to, I used to often go to the bashment dancers when I was younger. I enjoyed it. And I remember at the end, they played this tune. And I said to myself, oh, where I was going, you didn't often hear new reggae releases. So for me to hear a new reggae release from somebody from the UK that was inspiring to me and told me that there is actually options for my career to flourish being a reggae artist in the UK. 
Here we go with Gappy Ranks, Heaven in Her Eyes. She is from round for a little bit now so if you could perform on any five shows or festivals what would they be and where and why um the first one that comes to mind is summer jam um it's a popular festival um, it's a festival that i will go on the internet to get what the snippets that i can get to watch and that's definitely a festival that i would like to go to and there's a festival called Goa. It's in India. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know about it. I came across it. It's a big festival. Um, again, I've watched it on YouTube. I would love to my presence to be in India. A lot of times, if you, you think of India, you might not think that reggae necessarily goes goes on there, but it, it goes on there, and I'd like to contribute to that. Um, Sunsplash is a big one, and it's a very ambitious for me to say that. Um, I would love to be able to perform in Jamaica. Um, I'd love to be received well in Jamaica. It would be a good, be a good test for me to know where I'm at. Do you know what I mean? If I was received well in and I performed in Jamaica, I'd feel on top of the world. Um, not much festivals are, are coming through to me right now while I'm while I'm. Um, talking and and as i say that it's probably because of where i'm at with my career i can be more ambitious with where i think where i envision i'm going to perform in order to manifest and bring it into reality but there has been some small smaller festivals that go on in in nottingham in, in the area where i live um splendor splendor i would love to perform there um and there's an event called Hockley Hustle. I've performed there once and I would I would love to perform there again. Brockwell Park, although it might not be a festival, um some great artists have performed there. I've wanted to go there, um so that would be one that I would hopefully one day like to perform. Um 
where I'd like to perform. We're going to move on to another one of your selections, which is Frankie Paul. Sarah, can you tell us the reason for this selection, please? My mum used to love this. Uh, I've got some good memories of my mum winding down, winding back up with a big smile on her face. In her memory, this is the song. Go now, don't look back, we've drawn the promised so if you could work with any five artists who would they be um the first one that comes to mind is a lady called Colleen Anderson um you don't necessarily see her on on a lot of playlists um however for me she is a top top artist I would love to work with um I think she's different. I think she stands out. I think her voice is different. I think we could complement each other on a on a track. Um, one of her songs is "Ain't Giving Up on You." If you haven't heard it, go and listen to it. I, I love this lady. I, I even love what she articulates in her music as a female and how she interprets relationships and her experiences. So that's a lady. Um, that I'd like to work with. Another one is Tess for Sion. You know, it was one of my tracks that I picked. His writing style is different. Um, In parts he'll be singing, in parts he'll be chanting. The music that comes together, even though it's reggae, is from the instruments that are used from different parts of the world. and you can hear different expertise in the music, different genres in the music, although it's a reggae track. So I would love to work with him. Um, I'd love to work with Chronix. I've been to watch Chronix, and he was on fire. I love the way that he performs. I love the fact that he's current. I've seen the artists that he's sort of supported um, 
and I can see his influence in terms of their success. I like what Chronic stands for. I like the way that he still has a message of Rastafari, but he presents it in, in a way that can be given to the next generation. That's sweet artist, isn't it? Um, Anita Baker. Anita Baker is somebody that I would love to work with. Um, for her to even listen to my music would be an honour. It's very ambitious, again, for me to say that. Uh, but her vocal technique is so disciplined. Um, and she's a lady that I will play her album and prepare for my rehearsal or prepare for my show to. Um, she's definitely somebody I'd love to collaborate with. And Janine. Janine. I can't forget Janine. Uh, Janine is a lady that... I respect, um, I love her music. Some of the content in their music is, is, is something that I've never heard before. As a female, as a black female, she empowers me, she empowers others. I love the way in which she, again, like chronics, she articulates her spirituality in a way that can be passed to the next generation, but also in a way that the generation before us would understand. When she when she does her music videos, she doesn't need to necessarily um, show her body. She dresses quite modestly. She's beautiful. She's natural. To be a female like that in the music industry, um, it takes courage. And I respect and actually honour the way in which she has done that and 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 gifted the world with with her music and in it her interpretations so we're going to hear another one of your works we've heard all your seven selections we've heard um, one of your works already obviously cut loose but we're going to hear another one of your works called ancient comedic chant can you tell us about this works and introduce it please yes it's comedic chant by zanubian this was produced by a band in London called Royal Sounds. Um, it was a competition actually during the pandemic. They asked for demos to come back and they picked certain artists that was gonna go on the actual um, release. So there's various different artists on the same rhythm. Uh, go ahead, listen to it, listen to the other artists. It's, it's, it's brilliant compilation there. Um, Ancient Comatic Chant.
tell our listeners where they can hear more of your works and where they can get in touch with you. Maybe if they want to collaborate, they want to share your works. A festival wants to get in touch with you. How do they do that? The best way to get in touch with me is via Instagram. So if you follow my page, Zanubian, it's Z-A-N-U-B-N. Um, you'll find me on there. That's the best way to, to contact me. I'm always um, going through going through that, so I will pick up your message. If you look at on all the digital platforms, you'll find Cut Loose, you'll find Ancient Cometic Chant. Um, all of Us in Zion is going to be released on vinyl soon, so... Watch my Instagram for that because I will let you know when that's released and where to purchase that from. Um, if you want to listen to that digitally, you can go to Bandcamp. It's Sash Ital Power. If you Google that, that page will come up and you can listen via via there. The producer for that for that track is Sash, um, and the production is Ital Power. So that track that you just mentioned is going to be the final track that we're going to end the show with. Is there anything further you'd like to tell us about that particular works? That particular works is just to emphasise that, do you know what? There's room for all of us, especially us ladies. We don't need to be competing with other people. Compete with yourself. Be better than you was yesterday. There's room for all of us. Um, and that's and that's where the inspiration for the song is. There's room for all. Well, like I said, listeners, we are going to be playing That Works right at the end of the show. You've heard all the links. Also, her links will also be in the description if you would like to connect. But before we finish this interview, I would just like to know, when all of your works are complete, what are the three things that you feel you must have completed to accomplish your mission in this world, which will stand as your legacy? For people to hear my music and feel healing. We all go through hard times. Some of us, we go through hard times alone. And sometimes music is the only thing that can shift us. That's what I want my legacy. I'm authentic and I'm real. And you'll never see from me something that is fake. Um, My legacy is about healing others. And that's where my inspiration to sing comes from. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your journey, your wisdom, and of course, your music with all of us today. No problem. Honestly, thank you for having me. Um, Thanks for your positivity and your consistency. Um, We appreciate that as artists. You help connect us up. And I just want to say thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Please connect with this week's guest. All of her links will be in the description. So if you would like to connect with her in terms of a collaboration or maybe to book her for a festival or everything and anything in between, if you just want to big up her works and let her know that you love her works, then please, please do. Like I said, all of those links are in the description. If you would like to connect with the Reggae Uprising podcast, you can go to daniel.co.uk and go to the contact page. So that is d-a-n-i-e-a-l.co.uk. Maybe you would like to feature in an up and coming episode or maybe you'd like to recommend a brother or sister for an up and coming episode. Or you've got a project that you would like me to get involved with. Or maybe you would like to collaborate with me on a musical works. 
Or maybe you're at a festival or an event and you're like, you know what, I really want to book Daniil for that because as well as performing, as well as my vocals, I also host shows as well. Multiple shows, multiple festivals I've hosted. You know I bring the good energy. You know I bring the positivity. So um, if you're interested in that, please also get in touch via daniil.co.uk via the contact page. If you haven't already subscribed to Reggae Uprising podcast, please do so now wherever you're listening so that next Wednesday you get that alert to say, right, here is your positivity for the week. Yeah? Okay. I am going to leave you with the high vibrations courtesy of Zanubian. And the track is All of Us in Zion. I hope you have a wonderful week. And as always, blessed love. Are you ready to